0: Welcome to episode 10 of the Quiet Mark podcast. Yes, episode 10, we're into double digits already. To listeners who've listened to previous shows, thank you for tuning in again. And to newcomers to the show, welcome to the Quiet Mark podcast. I'm your host, Simon Gosling, CMO at Quiet Mark. Quiet Mark is the independent international approval award program associated with the UK Noise Abatement Society Charitable Foundation. It encourages companies worldwide to prioritize noise reduction within the design of everyday machines and appliances and find solutions to noise problems to benefit health and well-being. I came across a study which is appearing in newspapers all over the world. And I'm just going to give you a teaser from the Daily Mail in the UK, which in September ran a headline saying that loud restaurants put a bad taste in diners' mouths, say experts, who found that elevated background sounds spoil meals, but relaxing music improves the experience. And it's followed by a few bullet points. I'll read them for you. One of them was, a study investigated how relaxing music, traffic and restaurant sounds play a role in the experience a person has while eating at an establishment. Relaxing music at 30 decibels increased the liking of food by 60%, but playing it at 40 decibels decreased it to only 38%. And also, sounds from road traffic and the restaurant at any level dropped the liking of food. The study also found that females in the elderly reported lower enjoyment of food where there is elevated background noise. Another paper said, forget the flash fit-out and all the polished concrete floors, noisy cafes and restaurants actively turn off diners and their enjoyment of meals, according to an Adelaide Acoustics study. Now that study, the study's lead author and PhD candidate, is our guest today on The Quiet Mark podcast, Mahmoud Alamir from Flinders University's College of Science and Engineering. Welcome to the show, Mahmoud.
1: Welcome, Simon. Thank you for having me and Thank you
0: for joining us. Tell the listeners, because obviously we're in lockdown, and even if we weren't in lockdown, it's unlikely we'd be able to meet in person, because you're miles away.
1: Yeah, we are lucky here in South Australia, because the situation is better. We don't have many cases of corona, almost no cases. Uh, All the cases are people returning back uh, from overseas. It's much better than many places, so hope, hopefully it will get a better soon all over the world.
0: And your backdrop is a bookshelf of very nicely organised red and green books, so you're, you're clearly on some sort of campus somewhere, aren't you?
1: <laughs> yeah, this is a room in my campus. It, it looks very well organised. Uh, I like the beauty. The yeah.
0: <laughs> Tell us a bit about uh, Flinders University. What is it you're studying there and uh, what are you doing there?
1: I'm studying acoustics at Flinders University since 2018. So it's almost three years now. So I study the effects of noise on human responses, including the enjoyment of food and the quality of the sleep. We have very good lab uh, here at Flinders, our Adelaide Institute for Sleep Health. We have very quiet rooms to study the effects of the noise on humans.
0: One of the reasons that we're speaking today is because I saw your reports all around the world. You're becoming a bit of a media star. I hope it's not going to your head, Mahmoud.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I was overwhelmed with uh, many interviews <laughs> and by radio stations, uh, newspapers, yeah. But that's good to increase awareness of acoustics and noise and its effects on human. And my study had very good impact and I liked it. Why did that happen? Did you push
0: the study to the media or did the media pick up on it and then everyone started calling you about it?
1: Yeah, actually, when uh, we finish our studies, the university will come to us and make interviews with us about the study. Mm -hmm. And after this, we we make a media release. Mm -hmm. So whoever is interested in our study will come and have a chat with us. Almost all the studies are like this. When you finish it, you want to uh, release it to the public. And the best way uh, to meet this connection is by the university. So
0: how did it begin? You weren't recording in restaurants, I take it. You were conducting this study on campus. Set the scene for the listeners. What did the study look like? Where did the idea come from? And how did you stage it?
1: Actually, it's, it's a personal experience. Here in Adelaide, when I go out with friends, we usually ask to the restaurant owners or people servicing there to lower the level of the music. Because it, we, we are getting very uh, annoyed by the noise. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this it's a personal experience. It affects our dining experience. So we were thinking, why not replicate the same types of noise, the same levels in uh, laboratory conditions, more controlled conditions? and see what what is the exact effects of noise mm-hmm. on uh, the yeah. enjoyment of food even the types of noise were like three major uh, noise types uh, indoors in restaurants mm-hmm. which were uh, music uh, road traffic noise and restaurant noise restaurant noise was like people chatting with each other um, sounds of plates and people, something like this. So it touched actually the uh, reality of uh, people when they are dining in uh, restaurants. So you were serving food to
0: a number of people or just a couple of people when you were playing these sounds?
1: It was groups of people. Mm. Like uh, the total number of participants we had was 15 participants. So we were exposing them to the same type and levels of the noise and then getting their responses to the noise.
0: In the introduction, I said that relaxing music at 30 decibels increased the liking of food by 60%, but playing it at 40 decibels decreased it by only 38%. Well, how do you measure a percentage of increased in enjoyment of food? What are the metrics involved there?
1: Just a small correction. Actually, music increased enjoyment of food at 30 and 40 Mm dBA, but decreased it at 50 dBA. So what what we actually did was, like, after playing the noise, we were asking the participants on a rating between 0 and 10 Mm -hmm. to give a rating of how much did you enjoy the food uh, in the presence of this uh, type of noise. Mm -hmm. But we didn't ask, this wasn't the exact question, because if you ask them in the presence of this noise, you direct them to the noise. So we were asking them, how much did you enjoy the food?
0: So in terms of this study and how it can further enable architects, restaurant designers, etc., we've looked in previous episodes of the Quiet Mark podcast at, we've talked about the Lombard effect and when people start having to talk louder to one another because of the noise surrounding. And we've seen in general terms studies that have said that in loud, loud restaurants, people tend to spend more because they order more food and drink. But in general terms, they're less likely to return to that restaurant because they don't necessarily think of it as a great place to go. Whereas people become regulars at a restaurant where there's a a good balance of the atmosphere, but also the food being really good. And certainly in my own experience, there are restaurants that I know that I like to return to where I could enjoy good conversation. There was a little bit of music, but I came away and got, my goodness, the food is fantastic. And I was reading a report about Pret-a-Manger by their CEO, Panu Christu, who was saying that Pret-a-Manger, which is in next to every office in London, in fact, their motto was follow the skyscrapers. And they've changed that now to follow where people are. They're closing down a lot of branches near skyscrapers and they're opening up branches in neighbourhoods where people are working from home. But he says that Pret-a-Manger is emblematic of a time where we got off the train, grabbed a sandwich, sat down at our desks, worked, 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 ate the Pret-a-Manger sandwich, probably didn't even experience the taste because we were too busy typing, calling, emailing, etc. And now people are working from home and the report said people don't want to return to those chaotic times. In America, there's a report talking about how many people are eating in front of their televisions and and teenagers eating in their bedrooms whilst on computers. Are we denying ourselves the benefit of taste? And what do you think we can gain from eating a dish and recognising that there's paprika or turmeric or cardamom or whatever might be in it, recognising and acknowledging and enjoying those flavours and what they do on our, on, to our palate?
1: I think you are uh, right in every word you have uh, said. I think uh, you mentioned that there are, very loud restaurants and they are uh, very busy. This is mainly to consume more food and gain uh, more profits. But you, you you also mentioned on the other side, there are quite a restaurants and they earn uh, very well as well. It doesn't relate actually to the profits because quite a restaurants can gain uh, profits as well from better acoustics inside their buildings. I have read a study uh, today about how natural lighting can affect your enjoyment of food. That was another factor actually uh, to add to the noise. So they all uh, are factors that can contribute to better uh, dining experience. And of course, different types of noise can have different effects. So I think quieter areas can contribute to uh, overall uh, well-paying, can contribute to better dining experience, can make you taste the food better. Uh, Even it can modulate how you taste the food, its sweetness, its softness. Noise has a great impact on all these issues. Quieter areas is a blessing and I think we need uh, quieter areas, at least for the dining experience.
0: That might be hard to achieve in a single restaurant that you have a quiet area in a restaurant or a louder area certainly i know some restaurants have private rooms if they're big enough to accommodate that and those have often been used traditionally for businesses who want to enjoy some food but then they also want to stop eating and then discuss strategy or have an annual general meeting or whatever it might be and they can't be in the main restaurant but it would be lovely that if restaurants were able to set up and have quieter and louder areas who knows but i suppose the tapestry of a network of restaurants whether that's in a shopping mall or across a city you gain a choice of i don't want to go there because it's too loud or maybe that's the perfect place to go because it is loud and we want to have a good time so i think it is horses for courses but certainly if a restaurant is trying to market itself on the its dining experience and its culinary expertise, it really needs to take into consideration in its design, in its interior design, in its architecture. It's all very well hiring the best Michelin-starred chef, but how well will that chef's food be enjoyed if the acoustics in the restaurant aren't right? Restaurateurs need to take everything into consideration, and the question your study throws up is, are they doing so? Therefore, the media attention that your studies gained and the fact that i'm looking at it in an adelaide newspaper one day and then the daily mail in the uk and other days it's great your study's gone global and it's got us talking and hopefully it's got a few restaurateurs thinking wow i'm paying a lot for the best ingredients but what are people actually experiencing and to hear that your studies can really improve that taste is great Mahmoud, at the beginning of this interview, you were talking about your studies not just being around restaurant sound, but also on sleep. What are you learning about sleep and acoustics? How do those two combine in your studies?
1: Noise, uh, I think the main way that it can affect our responses or the main pathway the noise uh, can uh, affect our responses is through the induced stress from the noise. Induced stress. Yeah. Yeah. So when you listen to noise and you don't like it, you get annoyed. So your hormones or stress hormones are higher and you get nervous. And this the main pathway that your sleep and your other responses like the enjoyment of food uh, can be affected. And sleep is very important. Everyone knows that if you have good sleep, you have productive day. And this can be largely affected by the noise. Noise can be modulated or can modulate med- uh, uh, sleep by the stress, in the stress.
0: You said earlier that music at certain levels gave an improvement Improvement to the taste of the food. And so I know some people who like to go to sleep to gentle music or maybe even white noise can sound improve your night's sleep.
1: I have read a very good review last week by Matthias Basner. He's a very established person in this area. Because some people not only the music. Some people prefer white noise and they buy some machines or some layers of white noise. And the, the paper concluded that there is no strong scientific evidence regarding the effects of music or white noise on your sleep. Actually, white noise can make your sleep better, but this review published in Sleep Medicine Reviews last week showed, no, we need more studies to establish this problem. So it's still questionable, like, there is no different answer.
0: And for our listeners who might not be familiar, what does white noise sound like?
1: Yeah... It's constant uh, power, uh, something very uh, constant in uh, its power, not variable.
0: But is it like a, a buzzing and a headphones, like or? Yeah, I, th- I think
1: yeah, it's it's like uh, because the way it, it works, it makes uh, distraction for uh, from. Uh, like, it, it spreads you from the other uh, sounds, so it's masking the, the other types of noise. So, you don't focus on other types of noise, and definitely this is uh, constant. So, can- each noise cancels out the other noise.
0: I see. If a friend came to you and said, Mahmood, I can't sleep, what would you say? My friend, this is what you need to do. What would you tell them? <laughs>
1: It's a good question, yeah. The best advice I can uh, give you is, like, if you are not feel comfortable when you are uh, asleep, uh, forget about everything. Uh, stress when you are asleep is very bad for your sleep. In person, I feel like this. Even I listen to music or uh, something like radio or any, any type of noise as long as i'm comfortable and this makes me uh, comfortable and less stressed uh, i think th- that's the main uh, point for me uh, it's a personal point for me to have good good sleep for me i try uh, for example to uh, turn off my phone in uh, on airplane mode so it doesn't make uh, cause you know notifications all the time something like that. I don't want to be disturbed when I'm asleep.
0: Yeah. You know, all of this sort of well-being is also bringing to mind that during lockdown, my children, who are young adults, they're now 22, 19, and 17. They're fascinating. Talking about Mm -hmm. so many subjects which are in the news at the moment, there are so many topics which I have to say, listening to my children discuss them has been enlightening. And where we've done a lot of that listening has been around the dinner table. And one of the delights I've had of working from home and not commuting is, right, 6.30, stop work. We're going to eat as a family at a circular table, which is really conducive to good conversation. (laughs) But when we sit at the table, we discuss, but we also say, uh, they say, this is delicious. What is it? And I know that taking time to stop to not watch television, to turn off devices, to have no phones at the table, to ask each other questions, and to really appreciate the flavors and the tastes of the food. And all these things you're talking about, Mahmood, you know, you're an acoustics PhD, and everything you're talking about to do is sound. We're talking about it in what we eat and our sleep. These are massive parts of our being if all we do is run, 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 we're not putting the right kind of fuel in the tank, are we? Uh,
1: these are very good points for better dining experience. You mentioned you are gathering uh, on the same table, uh, uh, turning off your phones. So I think one, one of the points we raised in our study was the, the distraction effects. Why older people are more uh, annoyed in the presence of uh, the noise?
0: And older people and females? And females, yeah.
1: Because females, uh, it's an actual fact that they have more acute uh, hearing. They they, they focus on uh, the noise uh, more than males. Yeah, it's a nature, human nature. Females have have very acute hearing than uh, males. Uh, That's why they they focus more on the noise, so they get annoyed uh, more. And other people, uh, why why do they get more annoyed by the noise? I think uh, one one theory we raised in our study was the distraction. Uh, And this uh, comes back to your point, when uh, you look at your phone like this, and oh, you are already distracted by uh, the food, you don't enjoy the food. When there is noise, it makes distractions for you. The older people are more distracted by other stimuli uh, than uh, younger people. That's why they, they, get, yeah, they enjoy the food less than uh, uh, the younger uh, people. And this comes back, actually, to the main point, like... Uh, Those very simple uh, techniques or strategies that you uh, reduce the distractions, uh, focus more on uh, the food. This makes your dining experience better.
0: I read something recently saying that when it comes to live TV, the average age of the live TV viewer in the UK is 61 years old. I'm not talking about live television. I'm talking about programs which are on television at that time. Well, actually, the most popular live television programs I've read are programs like Bake Off and i a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. And they're programs which you tweet about as you watch them. And if you don't watch them when they're on at nine o'clock on a Sunday night, for example, you miss the fun. And this is part of the success of live TV today. The most popular programs are the programs which have been formatted and engineered to inspire second screen interaction and conversation whilst you're watching the program. Love Island does that. All these sort of programs are there to inspire chatter and amplification. And so, whereas older people who don't like the noise in the restaurant, and uh, I'm almost in that bracket myself at the ripe old age of 52, I'm, i I'm you know, what, what I used to have one album with 10 songs, not every song I wanted on stream. And so I listened to that album and I, cherished that album without thinking about what can I put on next, I was thinking about what am I listening to and I think that the abundance of information and the abundance of media that is available to us through so many devices and actually not even through so many devices through a single device, that's the thing You (laughs) you can go from photos to Spotify to YouTube all within a box the size of your hand and I think that this overload of information, fantastic as it is, you know, I think the fact that we have information about these things to enlighten us is great. But at the same time, you've got to know when, go, when to go back to Channel 1, Channel 2, and, 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 a, and a single record. You know, it's about push and pull. But knowing when to slow down is what I'm saying.
1: You raise very good point, Simon, about the lifestyle overall. And I, th- I think, yeah, young generation uh, is very lucky and unlucky at the same time. Like, they have yes. everything, they are more distracted, but they like that. But yeah, I- I'm not sure actually how does it work. I'm-, I'm sure like many sources of everything, this makes you more distracted. It makes your experience of everything less enjoyable.
0: What took you into acoustics as an area of study? Why that area?
1: Why that? Uh, yeah. As I mentioned, acoustics, I think, is in everything around us. Because I started my journey during my master's degree with uh, acoustics. I studied the, how you can use the acoustic uh, signal to generate cooling effects. Acoustic signal can make refrigerators and engines. And after this, I felt like acoustics is a very special science. It combines many different science in the same topic. Uh, That's why I feel I should dive in this area. For example, the study we did about the effect of noise on food enjoyment, I think it touched everyone's life, uh, day-to-day questions. Why not many people are working on this area? Why there isn't better acoustic design uh, for restaurants? How we can improve this? Many questions are remain unanswered. That's why I feel I should do more mm. in, in this area. I think we need more research, more work, more uh, innovative designs of internal buildings. Uh, that That's why yeah, I feel uh, blessed uh, I chose this Uh, area, and hopefully I can uh, continue for decades or the rest of my life in in acoustics. What's your mission with this? I mean, you've already
0: gained media attention to how acoustics can improve taste and the enjoyment of a meal, which is actually great for well-being. Has that knowledge that you've really touched something here that is making people stop and think, I need to consider my well-being? Has that lit a fuse with you?
1: Yeah, I think, yeah, I feel the value of your work is when it uh, benefits people, when people make sense of what you are doing. I think that's what even uh, I'm working now on the effect of noise, honestly. And we are doing very different work of what have uh, been done before. We are doing uh, some, even with very special types of noise, like wind farm noise, we are identifying some non-acoustic factors, like how the age or noise sensitivity or gender, or the area you are living in, how all these factors can affect uh, your uh, perception of the noise. I think that's that's why uh, it makes sense when you relate all these uh, factors and all these uh, issues to people's life. It it makes bigger impact and greater impact. You mentioned there wind farms.
0: Now, with wind farms, people are saying it's greener energy, and that's what we all want. But what have you found out about wind farms in in terms of? living near them and the sound of wind farms
1: one finding of our study was like the loudness of wind farm noise at the same dbe level is less than road traffic noise mm-hmm. despite this it's more annoying you can find the relation it's less loud but more annoying. How have you discovered that? Yeah, it was similar to what we did in the restaurants. There are questions. I think there is a book about psychoacoustics, how you can define these measures, how you measure the loudness, how you measure the annoyance. And it's usually scales as well. And I think psychoacoustics is very important because it's about human about how the noise is impacting you.
0: I suppose road traffic has variables in it. You get louder periods and quieter periods, and the noise is changing in frequency. But with wind farms, it's a constant frequency. And I imagine that that's what is linked to the annoyance factor.
1: Uh, I think that's another uh, good point. Wind farm noise is very special type of noise. You can find some acoustic characteristics like tonal amplitude modulation at distances four kilometers away from wind farms. Wow. This is a very, one very special uh, acoustic character of wind farm noise. The other uh, character, of course, low frequencies. Wind farm noise is dominated by uh, low frequencies and infrasound, sound, which, of course, makes sense. You perceive uh, low frequencies quieter, But this doesn't mean it's less annoying. Mm. Because we found it can be uh, more annoying. That's also, near wind wind farms, less than two kilometers away from uh, wind farms, you can find the Swiss noise, which is broadband and the uh, noise. It's called the Swiss noise. Shh, shh, something oh, noise. Okay, it's. Okay. Yeah, it's another annoying character of wind farm noise. These all uh, acoustic characteristics, besides other uh, non-acoustic factors, can also affect uh, how you perceive uh, wind farm noise and how the sleep acceptability of uh, this type of noise can can be different as well, depending on uh, the degree of of, uh, the character the noise
0: uh, has. It's a really interesting factor. You talk there about wind farm noise carrying four kilometers. And so, whilst I'm listening to you, I'm thinking, okay, if wind farm noise is annoying, it's important to create wind farms away from human neighborhoods. But then, if you put them into nature, what is it doing to the wildlife? for four kilometers around that space. It, I, I'm having mental images, mood of all wind farms having, <laughs> having to be a, at sea or, or, you know, in the ocean somewhere. And even then it's going to annoy ocean life, but at least there's a bigger ocean to spread out to. But nevertheless, mm-hmm. the, it's quite important considerations as to where you locate these wind farms, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah, we, part of our research is where are the best locations of uh, wind farms. Mm-hmm. We, I was studying this in terms of acoustics as well. So we were mixing wind farm noise with other types of noise like uh, road traffic noise. Is it good to put uh, locate wind farms near road traffic noise? Mm-hmm. Which type of uh, road traffic noise? Is it short range road traffic noise or long range road traffic noise? And there are actually very interesting uh, results uh, yeah. about this. Yeah, I you, you have media release uh, or three <laughs> release now. I have an, ex- I have an exclusive. <laughs> say- yeah, exclusive exclusive news. Oh, yeah. good. <laughs> okay. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> you did all of that studying and you
0: found that the best place to put a wind farm was in the neighborhood of an ex-girlfriend who broke your heart.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> People living in quiet areas usually perceive uh, noise uh, as more annoying. This is a fact. Our study was very special. We have different groups of uh, participants. People living in quieter areas perceive uh, wind farm noise uh, less acceptable. Mm -hmm. But if you have uh, even noise sensitive uh, people living near road traffic, Uh, noise, they will accept wind farm noise more. Because this is actually, I felt it like, because for example, people from Europe will perceive the noise differently from Africa, uh, for example, or Australia. Why? Because you are sensitized to a specific level of the noise. So if you are exposed to a less level, you will accept it. But if you have the same level you will accept it but if you have higher levels uh, and you are in a quiet area uh, no i won't accept this uh, one, one of the points i am now going to change uh, this is how we can develop the guidelines including the, the WHO uh, guidelines because i feel one, one of my reviews it will be published uh, soon. We found huge differences between guidelines. Uh, it can reach uh, to 20 dBA mm-hmm. uh, between uh, guidelines for the wind farm noise. Uh, my study, I think it will contribute to uh, identify uh, these, uh, the effects of wind farm noise, uh, the different characters of the noise, how this character contribute to the overall uh, response. If this uh, character is found, how much penalty do we need? This is a very important point I'm focusing on uh, right now, how these guidelines can be developed to be more representative and reliable
0: uh, and
1: acceptable at the same time, because complaints actually happen because there is... uh, no consistency between these uh, guidelines so if you identify the exact uh, or what's really going on or the effects, uh, actual effects of the noise then you can uh, propose representative guidelines. Have
0: you looked at how loud wind farms are compared to traditional power stations and ways of producing? the same amount of electricity.
1: We have uh, one part or one group of our teams. They are now measuring the noise over one year uh, near many wind farms. I think they measured around uh, five locations mm-hmm. of uh, five different wind farms. And they are characterising the noise levels, the noise characters over one year. Uh, I think they, they are doing very good job
0: and they're comparing that to traditional traditional production methods, are they?
1: Exactly, they are the, comparing is uh, different. locations, have different uh, levels or not. Uh, so how the overall levels are compared to other sources of the noise. Mm. Given we know that the noise type is different and it should be dealt differently. And this is what my work shows. If I find that wind farm noise is annoying or less acceptable at this certain level so what are the actual levels that are uh, generated in uh, the field mm-hmm. uh, I think that this complements uh, our study okay you found this level is unacceptable uh, so how is this related to practice
0: One of the things that I read about when I read the report in the Metro newspaper about the world becoming 50% quieter during lockdown is that even in places as remote as the Black Forest in Germany were recording drops in the level of sound and it just goes to show how far vibration travels as much Mm. as audible sound Mm. and i suppose with acoustics is that all part of it in your studies is the vibration the ripple effect through the land a consideration that comes into your acoustic studies
1: yeah i I think vibration is uh, another uh, important part of the stimuli that can affect a human but there is one paper from our research group that found the vibration levels around uh, or f- four kilometres away from mean farms doesn't have an effect compared to the standards. We we, we measured uh, the noise uh, uh, or the vibrations four kilometres away from mean farms, but there weren't any effects uh, of uh, the vibration
0: uh, we measured. I wonder what effect on well-being that has. It may be that in terms of decibels, to the human ear, four kilometers away, you might not hear it. But nevertheless, if you're feeling it through your feet, yes. that can actually probably impact your well-being as well.
1: I agree with you. I found in my study, I produce low frequency at 50 hertz and 100 hertz. And a very special type of low frequency, which is tonal EM. On amplitude modulation and i think it does have uh, an effect on human perception and it's less acceptable for sure than uh, when you compare it for example with the general spectrum of uh, wind farm noise and you add this character the low frequency content or part of the signal it does have uh, an effect for sure
0: it's very interesting talking to you mahmoud about What you think is going to be the impact of audio on your taste of food. The journey of this conversation has gone from sound in restaurants and our perception of the taste of food through sound's effect on sleep. Through sound effects on the powering of the planet. I mean, it's gone from the pl- from the plate to the planet. I think I might have to call this episode. It's been a fascinating conversation to have with you. I suppose I'm going to ask you what are you having for dinner tonight, and what time are you going to go to bed? <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, really. Thank you, Simon. You you asked very interesting questions. Actually, people need to know more about uh, acoustics and how it affects humans. And uh, I think you are really doing a very good job raising awareness Thank of uh, this. And That's I no really problem. appreciate uh, that. And. I'm glad uh, to hear hopefully that. Hopefully you can continue and uh, give your message to everyone.
0: You know, Daily Mail tomorrow, I suppose it's going to be the New York Times, everyone's going to be hearing about Mahmoud and <laughs> studies and hearing it. The nice thing is you're rippling beyond four kilometres from your campus and that's a good <laughs> thing. And, <laughs> and on that note, Mahmoud, I'll say thank you and goodbye, Mahmoud. Thank you, Simon.
1: Goodbye. Bye-bye.
0: Well, that conversation certainly took me beyond where I initially expected it to go. What I initially expected to be a short conversation, which might act as a segment within a larger episode of our podcast about the effects of sound on our dining experience, turned into a wonderful conversation about, as you heard, the effects of sound on what we eat, the way we sleep, and even the way we power our lives. It just goes to show that sound is at the very core of everything in our lives. And on that note, I'm going to leave you with a piece that I recently read in a publication called Afar.com with the headline, The God of Silence Speaks Up, by Catherine Legrave. On September 8, 2020, my colleague and our chairperson, Gloria Elliott, who's also the chairperson of the Noise Abatement Society, shared a fantastic article with me which started with the words, Gordon Hempton has spent the past 30 years warning people about the consequences of the disappearance of natural quiet on Earth, which he calls a solar-powered jukebox. And now that the world is a little less noisy, he's asking us once again to listen. In it, Gordon Hempton goes on to say, my father used to say, quiet, that's so highbrow. Quiet is so trivial. Someday we can just fix the noise pollution and it will be quiet. Quiet doesn't rank up there with endangered species, breeding programs, habitat preservation, global warming, nuclear waste and toxic cleanups. And you want me to pay attention to the need to preserve quiet? Yes, Hampton says quietly. Because when we save quiet, we save everything else. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Quiet Mart podcast. We've got some amazing guests in the pipeline, so stay tuned. Until then, Stay safe, take care, and goodbye. Bye for now.